up next. It is our 88th show in the last year. We've made it a full year on Your Best Bet. So if you've listened once, thank you. If you've listened a few times, a lot of times, really, really appreciate you listening. Continuing to hear what we have to say about golf betting, NFL betting, college football, college basketball. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. This week we review Vic Hovland winning in Mayakoba. That's a, a pick we gave out last week, uh, plus 1,600. So hope anyone followed that. Uh, we preview the Houston Open this week. Uh, should be an interesting week. Not as good of a field, but uh, some good some good players at the top and a lot of opportunities to win more money this week. Johnny Strauser is with me to break it all down, and we also talk about the PGL and LIV golf tours and what that means to the PGA Tour additionally. Uh, before we get to the podcast, I wanted to shout out the guys at the Golf Garage. Uh, Matt and Dave are continuing to just churn out a great product uh, out on the north side of Fort Wayne off of Parnell Avenue. Get in there as the weather gets colder here to get fitted for clubs. Uh, try out the track, man. See what your numbers uh, read. Good time to really work on your game if you're making any swing changes. Get the right equipment. Uh, those guys will hook you up. They're the best. Uh, they also have a holiday par 3 tournament coming up in December. Um, check out their Facebook page, Facebook page, Golf Garage FW. And there's also going to be a big, uh, big reveal about a potential Black Friday event coming up uh, that they're going to announce as well. So a little foreshadowing on that. Uh, so appreciate the partnership with those guys. They're the best. All right, let's get to it. Your best bet! Welcome to your best bets. It's a it's a big uh, show here tonight. Uh, we are one year in to the podcast, 365 days from the very first podcast release on November 9th, 2020, which talked about the 2020 November Masters. So we are coming full circle and uh, very exciting to get. Uh, this will be the 88th show in the books. So need to, to thank everyone that's been uh, part of the podcast, including my guest tonight, Johnny Strauser. We are going to be reviewing the worldwide technology championship at the Mayakoba um, where Victor Hovland won. And we'll talk a lot about that and also preview the Hewlett Packard enterprise Houston open. These sponsors are getting really, just really long for me to talk about uh, Johnny. How are we tonight? We're, we're, we're great. And yeah, congrats, uh, uh, for making it a full year on this. Uh, you know, a lot of episodes, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great content and, uh, congrats to you on ending the, um, the 12 month calendar year here with a, uh, with a winner here. And we actually had a pretty good week collectively as a group. We did have a really good week and it, it was, it was exciting. And, 
you know, when we put out the picks on Wednesday, I think we're hopeful we can hit a few of these and we, we hit a collective eight out of, um, 16. Uh, now you, you wow. cheated because you gave out six picks instead of five, but, mm-hmm. um, that's okay. Cause you hit so many, uh, but yeah, collectively as a group, that's, that's pretty good. And, uh, obviously we, we had, uh, Victor Hovland winning at, uh, the number I gave was plus sixteen hundred. I actually got him for plus two thousand, which was kind of cool because normally you just it, normally it gets worse. Um, Zach hit Sergio for top ten at plus four hundred, and then you just hit a slew of picks. You hit Abe Answer top ten at plus one seventy, uh, Yako Neiman top twenty at plus one eighty, and then you hit head to heads on Neiman over Wills Altoris, Henley over HV three, and Hovland over Justin Thomas. So. You just cleaned up on the head-to-heads and a top 10 and a top 20. So we did really, really well. And I know you got Hovland uh, live, correct, after round one? I I did, yep. I think I got him because he was still sitting um, at about plus 1,600 there because uh, he was a few shots back. So I uh, um, you had kind of talked me into um, you know thinking that he could actually win this thing because as I've stated before, it's hard for a PGA Tour guy to win back-to-back weeks. It's also hard for them to successfully defend their their uh, um, crown from last year. And uh, I was not a big fan of him because he had won la- uh, last year at Mayakoba. But um, I figured I, I might as well get him, throw a little bit on him, and uh, turned out to actually, you know, obviously really, really good. And I, I talked a little about. But this last week, there, there's been four fall events where I've bet the tournament runner-up pre pre-tournament. Uh, uh, McNeely at the Fortnite where he came second. Uh, Wolf at the at the Shriners. Um, Morikawa at the CJ Cup, and then in the last week, Pat Reed at the Butterfield Butterfield Championship. So it's good to finally get a win. I was starting to just say I'm I'm done. I'm retiring, but now I'm back. Um, thank you, Vic Hovland. Let's talk about Hovland, third career tour win, and he is now number 10 in the world. I, I don't want to say he's been in the shadow of Morikawa the last year because Hovland really is a terrific player in his own right, um, and he he he's really become this super consistent guy that you can count on being in the top 25. I don't know if he if he's if he should have won more than he has, it feels about appropriate three wins and about 70 ish starts, a really terrific start to his career. Now we, I think we just want to see him take that next step and maybe win at, at at tougher fields, but this was a good win this week at Mayakoba with, with a really strong field. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was was a good win. And, you know, we do say that he kind of lives in the shadow of, of Morikawa because He's in that same PGA Tour uh, graduating class, but I mean that's not a bad thing. Is is to say you're just a little bit behind him. I mean you're talking a two-time major champion and WGC winner. So I mean that's that, that's tough to kind of come equal to. But uh, but yeah, three wins on tour already. Um, he you know he's got just got a little bit more consistent with uh, with the short game. He's he's admitted his his chipping is is consistently off, but it's one of those things that he's I think he's smart enough to not necessarily turn that in, into a strength, but at least to turn it into something positive to where um, you know, where it's not going to affect him that much. But yeah, this is one of those things. It's just another win, uh, a win for him. 
It's another uh, way to build confidence um, that he could play with these guys. And actually, this is probably the strongest field that he's won on. So, you know, you just never know where that's going to take him. And he's got the game. I mean, that's been no doubt. He, he's a fun guy to bet because he'll make a billion birdies. Um, you know, he'll get off the grid a little bit and, and make his fair share of bogeys. But, you know, he's an aggressive player. Um, you know, when he gets it going, he's, he's, he's a blast to watch, um, because, because of how well he can strike it. And, you know, he rolls that putter really, really well. One thing of note that's interesting is, um, is that I wanted to talk about was how he normally, um, uh, he's got that kind of goofy, happy-go-lucky type attitude. I think that really, yeah. uh, really plays an advantage to him. What happened was, so Wednesday, like the day before the tournament there, him and, uh, uh, fellow tour pro Danny Lee, they were on the driving range just screwing around and Danny Lee pulls out uh, Hovland's gamer driver and attempts, they were trying to hit it as hard as they could on track band to get the you know, 200 ball speed, you know, get the Bryson or Fino numbers. And Danny Lee snapped uh, Hovland's driver shaft, his gamer. And a lot of guys, what they do is they will have a backup, um, not always, but they will have a backup driver. And it is a backup for a reason because it's it feels a little bit different. These guys can tell, but broke his uh, broke his shaft, and um, so he basically the night before the tournament started, he was uh, he was in a little bit of trouble there. Laughed it off and ended up borrowing. Um, I can't remember whose driver it was, but basically it was the same specs. Uh, put that shaft in in his ping driver head and uh, end up you know winning the golf tournament with it. And you know we talked about before. Uh, Last Monday, when we, before we did the show, that there was a premium on hit hitting the driver well, hitting it straight, keeping it in play because that's a fairly tight golf course, and uh, he's using someone else's golf shaft. Luckily, it was pretty much the same thing, and uh, end up winning the golf tournament. So kind of cool there, and, and to see the physical game match up with uh, with that that serious type of you know that that killer mentality, but also. He can kind of laugh things off and, and doesn't necessarily take things too seriously. Yeah, I, I think that makes him really a likable player. And yes. I, I think it really endears him to the fans. And I I, I like watching him. He not just for that, but he like you said earlier, he's just really fun to watch play golf because he's just so damn good. Um, we mentioned this um, in March at the uh, the WGC at where the concession when the uh, concession. Morikawa won. Hovland made a, a gazillion birdies that week, and I think he he just sometimes he makes too many mistakes. And, and well, he he uh, he was actually like leading the event and made like triple on nine. That's on, that's right. Was it Saturday? He knocked it over. Over the green and into the into the shit, and then he tried to play it out. And That's right. Made seven or something like that, and that just kind of threw him off for the rest of the nine. But yeah, he was he was going to win that event or have a good chance at it, anyways. Yes, and he. I, I think sometimes he makes too many mistakes, and it negates it negates the birdies. But this this event really impressive to to have that shaft change in the in the driver and still drive it as well as he did. A guy that really relies in his off the tee game at a place where if you're going to hit driver, you have to be really accurate because you can get into a lot of trouble around El Camellion. Um, 
<laughs> I just couldn't wait to go there. I've been working nice. on that all day. And um, but you can you can really get into some trouble around there. And the guy is just he's just a machine of a ball striker. He really is. And I just feel like when he gets he gets the hot putter twelve to fifteen feet, it's almost lights out. Uh, yeah, his his around the green game can get really messy. We saw it a couple weeks ago in Vegas. Remember when he lost like eight shots around the green at uh, oh, yes. at Summerlin, and we were like, "What the fuck?" Um, but his ball striking is almost always on point, and it just makes him a reliable bet. I I, I think probably in the last year, I've bet him to win about as me- as much as anyone um, because I just trust him and. I, you know, going into Sunday with a 54 hole lead with, uh, I think it was a two shot lead over Gooch. I, I was not sweating it at all. I really wasn't. And I, I think you probably felt the same way having some money on him. I just, I just trust the guy and I, I just trust ball strikers. There was no, there's never any fake in it with him. And, um, you know, he got Gooch got one back early, but from about the fifth hole on, it was it was pretty much lights out, and he he got out there um, and went pretty deep on, on Sunday. Yeah, he's I mean he's clinical when he gets when he gets it going like that. And yeah, you're right. I mean, as far as trusting him, I mean, you even had Justin Thomas in the final group there. That uh, you know, obviously, you know how, how good that guy is, but even then, you know, spotting. Uh, Thomas spotting him three strokes. There's, there's going to have to be a pretty big collapse um, to, uh, you know, for him to to relinquish that against JT there, um, to or to JT I should say. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just he he's one of those guys, and we 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 talk about him, and every you know every time a lot of these younger guys win, we talk about how automatic they can be, how good of uh, you know ball striking when everything's working to. Get, like the putting and the short game and all that stuff, he's one of those guys that you could put in that basket of of players that you just know can, you know, when they when they can kind of grab a hold of that lead there, that uh, there's a pretty good chance that you could trust him coming in. Um, so, like I live bet him um, sometime into that Thursday round. He's a guy that if you see him lurking, he's a pretty good play to live bet during an event. Um, just because if he gets it going, I mean, it, it could be lights out. Uh, Carlos Ortiz, he he has a really nice back nine to finish second. Um, you know, JT was was there on Sunday. Scheffler made a nice run. Um, let's talk about JT for a second. You know, he, he starts the first nine of the tournament. He's three over. He's dead last. His odds dropped to, I think, as low as plus 8,000. He makes an insane run over the next, I guess, what, 36, 45 holes, and he puts himself into a position on Sunday. Are we to a point where we – I don't want to say the last year has been a little bit disappointing from Thomas. He did get the huge win at the players, but he ha- has not been the best golf for him overall for a little while here. Are, are we getting kind of the point where we need to see more from JT or, you know – a third place is kind of like, okay, cool. I think he's just in it for the trophies now. Um, what's missing? Is it, is it just the putter or is there something more do you think? I think there's certainly something more. And I know the, uh, the, the expectations and the, the resumes, especially with this last year doesn't fit. Cause I mean, I, I think if you had to find the most tiger like player, the, 
the one that you'd kind of feel has the the most killer instinct and the most intensity matched with the type of game he's got to be up there in the handful of you know very very select group of guys there so you know you, you this guy you expect should win three four times a year at least and then have uh be in some serious contention for some major championships and and with him only having the one at quail hollow at the pga you know is is kind of perplexing and and whatnot it, it it's watching him especially over the last couple of years because i think the as a slight descent started in you know 2019 to 2020 to 2021 here um you know it just uh he, he, it seems like he tries to be a little too perfect, a little, you know, the swing's got to be perfectly on plane. It's got to be uh, the perfect putting stroke. The, you know, he, it seems like the mechanics or the look, you know, what he's going for is, it, it is not quite fitting what he needs to do. And sometimes you just got to get the ball in the hole and you know your golf game's not there. And and as a guy who consistently loses his golf swing during, you know, local Fort Wayne amateur golf tournaments, I've kind of <laughs> told myself that in, in the fact that sometimes if it's not there, if I'm hitting a certain way, like if the ball is, is drawing too much or if I'm leaving it out to the right, sometimes you just got to kind of throw those mechanics out the window for that day and just – get the ball in the fairway, get the ball in the green and, and try to make putts and use, you know, use your natural ability. I, I have, I, I feel sometimes if it's not working out, he, he doesn't me- maybe mentally check out, but he just kind of, he kind of sticks with it. And, and sometimes you just got to scrap the plan. And uh, I've heard, I've heard Jack Nicholas was one of the greatest at that is, is if he was, uh, you know, if he was struggling with his three wood he would shelf the club for the rest of the day. Like if he hit one or two bad three woods, that was it for the day. He'd figure out a way to shoot a score and then he'd work on it on the range afterwards or the next day. And, and I think that's what's kind of missing is that uh, that ability to, to just to remember how to score. He, he's got an unbelievably good golf swing. It's on plane. It's, it's pretty perfect. But when it's not working, it, it seems like he just – he can't make those in-game adjustments. And I I love the fact that he got Jim McKay, Bones McKay as his caddy, mm-hmm. um, having such a good golf mind, a guy who's obviously on Phil Mickelson's bag forever, uh, very reputable, excellent green reader. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to – I'm hoping that's going to kind of take him to the next level and to kind of revitalize him to, to, to learn how to – uh, you know, manage his his game, both his his mental game and his physical. But um, you know, I think we're at the point where it's it, there, there's just he's he's hit a he's hit a point to where the the, the physical game and the and the and the mental game are, are where it's at. But sometimes you've got to just learn how to or or take a step back, whatever you want to call it, and and just play golf and, and use the natural God given ability that he obviously has. Yeah, I, I I need to see him win a major next year. I'm just I'm, yep. I'm laying down the gauntlet. You know, it's just one feels now we're getting to the point where that feels like it's underachieving. He's won so many golf tournaments on the PGA Tour. Um, I think he's won 13 times. So, you know, 
I, I feel like we're getting to that Dustin Johnson-like disparity of too many regular wins, not enough majors. Of course, DJ was in the 20s before he got his second major, but I just want to see a little more. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, the Masters, I think we both talked about this, it really sets up really well for him if he can just get this putting straightened out the next few months. Um, I, I, he is getting some Twitter hate, though, for this uh, this Mike big Mike Visaki. Uh, some people are calling him a thirst trap with uh, attention he's he's getting with Big Mike. Um, any feelings about that? No, I you know I <laughs> I find it I find it genuine and I appreciate him you know do, doing this for these 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 pros because these pros you know they're they're battling out there they don't have any money they're not playing for the big bucks like what what JT's got. If that's what he wants to do, that's fine. Is that going to affect him winning the Masters next year, or is that going to affect him winning, you know, at Mayakoba? No, the fact that he couldn't make any putts at, at the beginning, you know, for the first nine holes and played it in what three over par or something ridiculous is, is why it is. But no, he's just he's got that fiery type of personality though that you're going to see. Uh, uh, he's not going to take that shit from so if if he if he gets on the social media much. Uh, but he's got that type of personality that uh, he could, if he start, if he continues to struggle, you know the the, the trolls will be out there, and they're gonna they're gonna find reasons why he's he's you know why he's not meeting expectations, and you know that could eventually get to him. But I, it's 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 just dumb if that's what's going on at this point. What else from Mayakoba? Another Matt Wolf sighting through thirty six holes. He was in the lead. He, he has a rough Saturday, but really came back to finish well. Scotty Scheffler, another close miss. What's, what are other takeaways from this tournament? Those are the two guys I, I did want to mention was was Matthew Wolf. He, he's, he's trending. Um, you know, whether he's going to be in that point where it's like I've, I've played too many weeks in a row or too much in a short time period, you know, the game will regress at some point. But he's got to just continue to come out there, um, you know, battle his emotions because he's obviously struggled. Uh, you know, he's learned that over the pandemic and, uh, you know, get that, get the golf swing going consistently and, and just string, you know, he strung two very, very good rounds together. Now he's got to work on getting three and four and, and he's going to find the winner circle. And I, I did like Scotty Scheffler there with uh, with how he played. Um, I think he's getting close. Uh, 65, I think. Um, or what did he – no, he was in contention. Uh, didn't play well on Sunday, did he? No, he did He did play well on Sunday. I think Saturday he, he was – Oh, that's right. It was, yeah, it was Saturday. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think this is going to be – these are the type of events I think that he's going to end up winning first is yeah. – He's going to win kind of the quote unquote off season event, you know, nothing like, you know, you're going to see him win a, a Memorial or, or at Riviera first. I mean, he's going to, he, I expect him to win multiple times, but he's, it's just, uh, you know, stringing that together. I'm hope I'm hopeful that those two guys, you know, can find the winner's circle. But other could than be, that, it was a, could be no, this week. What's that? Yeah. It could be this week. We might, we might have to discuss that there, but, um, other than that, I mean, you know, it's just it's just a another event there. Um, I don't think there was really anything other noteworthy, was there? No, I don't think so. Um, noteworthy two weeks ago, and then and then an update last week. Uh, you know, we alluded to this talking about the 
the course design in Mayakoba was our, our guy Greg Norman. Uh, Greg Norman making some uh, making some news two weeks ago. He uh, was named CEO of LIV, and I don't know if it's called LIV or, or Live. We'll just call it LIV Golf Investments. Um, it's it's a new entity that's running a new ten event series on the Asian Tour, and it's going to debut in twenty twenty two. And um, Golf Saudi is involved in the new partnership between LIV and the Asian Tour. Uh, it's kind of vague. They issued a press release, and then Norman had a couple of interviews. But there's a, the whole thing is is kind of vague. He says this is only beginning. Um, of course, Norman himself he pushed for a World Golf Tour back in the 1990s when he was number one in the world that was going to feature smaller fields and more lucrative purses. Um, hey, we have that now. It's called the, the World Golf Championships, uh, by the way. Um, <laughs> him and Tim Fincham, the commissioner at that time, they were they didn't really see eye to eye on that. And um, But the, the PGA Tour did adopt the WGC starting in 99. Um, you know, if this is on the heels of, of course, the discussion last year with the Premier Golf League, which is uh, a London-based um, ent- golf entity, and it was trying to attract, and still is, trying to attract top-level talent away from the PGA Tour. And from what I understand, their launch is not until 2023. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But the the other part of this is... Um, I know there's a lot of a lot of layers to this, but I'm setting it up here. The Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia is involved in this as well, and they have a total estimated assets of only 500 billion dollars, and um, they are involved in this as well. You know what kind of money is that? Dirty money? Well, it's probably somewhat, I would guess. Um, of course, Golf Saudi's put on the Saudi International since 2019 on the Euro Tour. DJ is a two-time champion there. Um, huge appearance fees for these guys to show up over there. Um, so who's going to play in these tournaments, this 10 event series on the Asian tour run by the LIV. I, I don't know. And, and maybe you have some thoughts there. I, of course they're trying to pull star power from the PGA tour, the Euro tour. I just don't know why someone would go do that. If the money is still, here on the PJ tour and the top players again, playing four WGCs a year and are winning guaranteed money Uh, thoughts on this venture by Greg Norman. And I guess any other, any other thoughts on the PGL or, and I I think there's one more, isn't there SGL? Am I I making that? Am I making that? That's the Saudi golf league. That's what we, okay. That's the, that's, I think it's part of the lid, the LIV. Okay. I think. Is is what it is. So, so okay, yeah, why are we bringing this up? This is this is really interesting, and we're going to have more updates as we know more. It's just extremely vague, but the fact that they've they've uh, got Greg Norman basically running this thing is made it, you know, relevant Hilarious. at this point to at least discuss. So, yeah. So back in '94, Greg, Greg Norman wanted to launch the World Tour. Tim Fincham, the PGA Tour commissioner, says no. Well, three years later, ninety-seven, he says, "Oh, I've got this idea for this uh, um, these WGC events starting in nineteen ninety-nine." So then they end up doing those, and of course, Greg Norman gets inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame, and Tim Fincham says, "Oh yeah, we want to thank Greg Norman for his idea and all that stuff." So just kind of some interesting stuff there. But what 
you what the the root issue is like you said is this is saudi arabian money this is dirty saudi money and they're jumping into a lot of these different sports most notably uh, golf actually, I think is one of the bigger ones there is to kind of sports wash the, uh, the, the image of the Saudi government, you know, cause they've got the controversial, you know, human rights records and, and, you know, they want to improve the image and whatnot. So there, there's a lot of that going on there. So what they're going to try to do is, is the PJ tour right now as, as it is, and even now the Euro tour, cause it's part in conjunction with the PJ tour, they cannot pay an appearance fee to any player so they can't pay the pga tour can't pay tiger woods a million dollars to play in the event um if it's not run by those two tours it's different you know there's a lot of other rules they can they can do that so that's why you see when when certain players like these these uh these major draws they play in these random asian tour events um they get guaranteed money, whether it's you know a couple million, three million, whatever. So this uh, this this Saudi event that started in, in a few years ago there that DJs won uh, a couple times, those guys make two or three million dollars just to go over there just for that event. I mean they're getting paid that that, that Saudi money there. So um, they want to obviously um, you know become a little bit bigger there with uh, uh, have that presence and the Asian tour, which isn't sanctioned by the PGA Tour. Um, they can kind of slip into there and for the rules for a, a, a PGA tour member is if they, if they want to play in a non PGA or European tour sanctioned event, they have to have written permission from the PGA tour. The PGA tour can uh, tell them no. And if uh, you know, that's basically the final answer there. That's part of the, the very limited amount of deals that they've got with the PGA tour, but they can, as being members there, they can they can do that. So it used to be a European tour event. And then the, basically when the PGA Tour helped fund the European tour, they said this event has got to go off the schedule here. The Saudi International event has got to go off the schedule. So it did. So they basically kicked them off of that. And they're going to run it this year. They've sent out invites. And I think uh, uh, there's been like eight or nine guys that have already requested uh, permission to play in this event. In 2022, I think it's in February, and yeah. they're all going to get denied. But that's uh, that is what is there. But how they're going to try to do this though is have this league, and they're going to attempt to pay tens of millions of dollars for a commitment for these PGA Tour players. So they've asked they've asked a lot of people, from what I understand. Like some guys have already said no. Uh, who is it? Brooks Kepka said no. John Rahm said no. And then Rory was like, no, I'm Rory, not going to do yeah. that. Adamant. But we're talking, they're going to offer some of the prime guys a three year commitment to play in these events at money of upwards of $100 million. So you're talking basically guaranteed money of 30 to $35 million a year to play in the, the anywhere from 12 to 18 events. Now the PGA tour is as said, if you play in, if you sign up to play in these events, you are, you're kicked off the PGA tour and you face a lifetime ban. So, you know, even if this thing folds in a few years or whatever, then they may not be asked back yet. Sure. Sure. But they can't do that. The PGA tour cannot do that. And if they venture into that, 
that water that is that is going to up open up this legal floodgates because PJ Tour players, of course, are not they're they are contractors. They can they can take their services wherever. Um, I I would I'm fascinated to see where if someone say say and I don't know who the type of player that would do this. The first thing that comes to mind is Dustin Johnson. If I'm getting yeah, yep. Thirty million. If I'm getting thirty million dollars a year to go play twelve to eighteen events, not on the tour, uh, it's almost hard. It would be hard in my position to say, well, he can't. He shouldn't do that. He should have integrity. He should stick. He should have loyalty to the PGA Tour. You know, I. I you know, what what else does DJ have to accomplish besides? winning majors probably not much on the pga tour he's won 20 what four times and you well, know. He, he's got his green jacket he's got his u.s open title and, and technically the, the 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 four majors they're not run by the pga tour the the pga tour major is exactly the major is exactly. the players championship so in theory he could come back to the masters every year you know he could come back to the u.s open i mean as long as they're they accept him and everything but you're right i mean guy like dj that he comes off to me as he'll chase the money wherever it goes. I mean, you look at a guy like Phil Mickelson, who's been very open about this possibility. There is no doubt in my mind that if if the the contract offer for him was was fair, that he's going to j- jump ship. I mean, he's over fifty years old anyway, so it's not like you know, it's not like he's going to be on the PGA Tour much longer anyways. But you know, you might as well you know make a hundred and hundred fifty million dollars over the next three to five years you know, in your fifties and then right off in the sunset there. So there will be guys that will defect, but what the problem is though, is when this stuff happens, this monumental of a decision happens, it doesn't have to be in golf. It can pick anything. It doesn't have to be sports. When this controversial thing happens, when this large of a thing happens, everybody talks about it, but when it comes to putting your name, you know, signing your name on the dotted line, who's going to do it? You know, yeah. you'll you'll get guys to do it. So I just see this as as is at least in the in the intermediate is you might get some good players. You're going to get a lot of journeymen, uh, Australasian players. You're going to get a lot of uh, European tour players that are journeymen. But you're going to just have weak fields, and you just hope right. that maybe you can get the young. You know, these young. There's a lot of good young players in America that don't have the the college. You know. Um, the, the the college you know success and everything like that but they come to be really good players these guys are paying four or five hundred dollars um for you know to get into these uh, monday qualifiers just to miss the cut you can't tell me if they're offered a little bit of money that they won't do it for a few years so yeah. you know it could be interesting to see how this goes but this is one of those things that if they if the saudi golf thing if if the the, the liv could, commits to it this has got to be like not a three-year plan it's got to be a 10 15 year plan because you've got to you got to prove that these guys that do defect like a, maybe if it's a dj or tommy fleetwood or jason kokrak or something like that you know that they can that it can be i i don't know why i thought about that Craig, because he's sponsored by golf i Sony, think but, yeah yeah but no you just it, it'll be interesting to see where you know how it grows and, and if it does for sure and i think that's why there's there's Norman saying that this is the only the beginning and there's gonna there's a long term vision of this thing and it has to be years down the road. I I think it's 
couple thoughts. I think it's really interesting. Greg Norman is your guy leading you to, um, you know, this long-term new tour. I, I think that's pretty interesting. He's very cartoon character ish these days. Uh, you know, I think the last time we really saw him, he was doing the, the nude shots on ESPN magazine, the body issue. I mean, yes. so it's just bizarre to me that, that he would, he would do this now in his mid sixties. Um, you know, so I think part of the question is what does the PGA tour do to fight these other tours and keep their guys, you know, what they did, at the start of 21 was of course create the the player impact program the pip the 40 million dollar prize pool um it awards 10 players at the end of this year that positively move the needle for the sport we don't really know what that means they have some sort of algorithm to help determine that it's it's interesting and it's but it's it's there's no definition of what that means you know to these guys um is it bryson and brooks because of all the all the uh, the demand they've created for the game this year, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, they, they, yeah, they don't, and they're not going to say who wins. Like, and I've heard uh, that, yeah, and and who knows who even knows what they know. But you know, I've heard Tiger Woods is going to be the like eight million dollars is to the uh, the the most you know you know talked about player and whatnot. They still say Tiger, even though he hasn't you know basically touched a golf club in, in right. ten months or whatever it is is probably going to end up winning it just because he is talked about the most. But, yeah, you're right, though, is they've tried these little motivation things. But when it boils down to it, it's just like these top-level guys are underpaid, and they've truly got to earn their way as far as you know prize money. They get the sponsorship dollars, but it, compared to other sports, if you look at, like, football or hockey or, or baseball, um, you know, with uh, the larger guaranteed deals – you know, especially for the best players, these golfers aren't really making anything close to what, uh, um, you know, what a, a top level baseball player would make. So, you know, if the, I think that's what they're going to try to do is, is try to offer a little bit more on the guaranteed side, you know, a light schedule. So you're not, it's not like they're going to have to travel Asia for, you know, three, four five months on end. It's, it's, it's a very limited schedule once or twice a month. And, It'll be interesting to see where it goes. And and with Norman, I mean, he's been good in business. I know they've hired some pretty significant people. Um, used to be a guy at Augusta National in the PGA Tour. Um, they've actually had some decent people that they've, they've brought on that uh, are going to help try to promote this and, and, you know, try to bring this vision into a reality. It'll be interesting to see what happens down the road. I, I, I think the PGL has a bit more legs to stand on at this point than, than what the LIV has to offer. But we don't we don't know the long-term plan. We just know the short-term 2022 plan. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if, if any yeah. of these tours get off the ground and, and really rival the PGA Tour down the road. Uh, for now, let's talk about the Hewlett-Packard Enterprise Houston Open. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, we only have this week and the RSM Classic uh, as full field tournaments the rest of this season. We, of course, have the Hero World Challenge in, in early December. I'm not sure if we'll talk about that one. Um, before the 2022 season launches, uh, the calendar year launches in Hawaii. So it's uh, we got two chances at a full field winner 
And I uh, just want to bring up again that we've hit seven outright winners in our picks uh, in the last year. You know, we haven't done a golf show every single event, but I would say probably, and I haven't looked at the numbers, maybe 40 events or so, if that sounds right to you. Um, yeah. But uh, so we've we've had some success here with, with outright winners, and, and we've, we've obviously had, you know, some success with top tens, head-to-heads. You've cornered the head-to-head market for sure. Um, so obviously we give our picks out Wednesday for the tournament, but there's a lot of value to listening to the thoughts. There's guys that we don't necessarily pick that we like when we talk about the odds, um, you know, that might not make our final picks, but they're certainly worth listening to. Um, just some little background. So the Hewlett Packard, Enterprise Houston Open will be played at Memorial Park in Houston. You know, traditionally this week used to be the week before the Masters, and a lot of guys use it as a tune-up or a potentially final opportunity to qualify for the Masters. Um, obviously, last year it was it was kicked to the the fall in the schedule, and it, it was prior to last year's Masters. But uh, going forward, this is going to be a, a tough spot in the schedule for this tournament. Um, this week, um, you're really looking at a, a really long golf course, uh, 7,400 yards, 7,432. It's a par 70, so you don't have the par fives, um, you know, uh, you know, for the bombers to really take advantage of. Uh, Tom Doak is the architect here, and uh, he received uh, input and uh, advice from our guy Brooks Kepka as uh, – uh, an advisor on the, on the redesign. So we'll, we'll see if that helps, uh, going forward this, this week, Bermuda greens. And last year, this, this place played really tough. I think 13 under was the winning score really played firm and fast and it played somewhat major. Like, um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I'm really looking at, uh, Strokes gained off the tee this week. Uh, I, I, I want guys to I, – I like the Bombers this week. Um, I'm looking at guys that can really put Bermuda well and uh, play tough conditions well. Uh, what about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, you know, it is 7,400, which is long, but with it playing playing firm and fast, it'll, it, you know, it'll, it will play shorter. So you don't have to be the longest on tour to succeed here, but it's certainly going to help because – Last year they had a lot of wind, um, and that is the you know that's usually the great equalizer as far as uh, is as far as a low score versus you know something closer to par there. And I I would expect it to be very similar this year because it's Texas and that's what it does is the wind just blows. So you know these are big greens, they're really fast greens, um, so they're you know you got to have good putters. So I want good putters, um, you know, as opposed to last week with the past Palom greens. You, you know, you could kind of get away with it. Um, good Bermuda green putters are going to end up uh, having a lot of success here, at least what I think. I, I agree completely, um, which leads us into the favorite for the tournament, Sam Burns, who is a he, he is a Bermuda expert. He He's always putted Bermuda really, really well. This is even going back before his breakout season last year. And he's just, he's a perfect fit for this golf course. He, he's a bomber. He's really accurate off the tee. And of course the last half, or I guess the last 
half dozen events, he's really just turned up his iron game where now his, his, all his total ball striking has been uh, terrific in the fall. So he leads us off at plus 1,200. This is where we're at. We live in this world where Sam Burns is a considerable favorite. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, uh, of course, uh, went to college at the University of Texas. He's at plus 1,800. Cam Smith at plus 1,800. Sanjay, the winner out in Vegas in Summerlin, he was or he is at plus 2,000. Taylor Gooch with a good week last week at 2200 and we got a couple guys rounded out the 3000 range with Wolf at 25, Hatton at 25, Finau at 25, Brooks Kepka at 28, and Adam Scott at 28. Those are the guys under 30 to 1. Um, I'm going to start here. Is Sam Burns anywhere on your radar this week with, with his Bermuda prowess and his recent form? Uh, yes, he is. Because, uh, like you said, he this is a great fit for him. I mean this 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 tournament. Uh, you know, I can see why he's priced that high because the the odds makers know you know that that this is a good uh, a good setup for him. You know, he's a great putter, and and uh, I think he's also playing with a ton of confidence here. Um, I you know I, I expect him to finish pretty high. Whether I can bite on twelve to one is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to probably hold off on that. Now, do I I I don't mind him in a top ten. I think he pre, not pretty easily, but I think there's a good chance that he's gonna finish top ten on here. So I may end up pre-tournament betting him, but I might just kind of wait and see and see if I can get him at maybe plus sixteen hundred or something a little bit. Uh, you know, a little bit higher than that. Um, something that twelve to one, though, with enough, there's enough decent players in this field that uh, that that would uh, that would concern me because I don't know. It's just he, he's still a little aggressive right now, and he's such a clear favorite. I think you can you can kind of be you can kind of wait on Thursday and, and buy him a little bit better, wouldn't you think? It's it's the it's the JT strategy from last week. You know, we we said we liked him hard to bet him with how he was putting the ball. And then we both hit him live on Friday and he was not that far down the board. Really. I I think we both got him around 3,500 and then he makes a run on Saturday and then you had a good chance with it, with the reasonable number. I mean, you don't have to wait that long on, on a guy like Burns. If you felt uh, comfortable with something closer to plus 2000, you know, you almost hope for a slow start. Um, you know, a bogey, mm-hmm. a par bogey start or something like that early because the live odds will, will they'll they'll really change quickly with golf. Um, so I agree with you. Top ten at plus one forty is is an option. Um, what else at the top? Um, there's two two names that are sticking out. Is Scotty Scheffler? I I don't. I, I wish he was going to be plus two thousand or or a little bit worse than that, um, but. He, like I said, I think he's going to win one of these these off season events first, and you know he's he's not afraid of playing in the wind, and I, I think he's still got that confidence um, from being a Ryder Cup member. He he didn't play great coming out of the blocks after right after the event, but last week showed me quite a bit that uh, that you know that I think he's he's kind of kind of found his game again, and 
you know, it, it is a Texas event. So I think the, this golf course could fit him. And I, I don't think he's uncomfortable putting with the Bermuda. So I might, I might look into that again. I wish he was more 20 or 22 to one. Um, and then the other guy I, I talked about him a little bit ago is Matthew Wolf. He's trending and he's putting, putting rounds together and, and him shooting what 61, 64 or five or whatever it was. That's, that's hard to do is to post two really, really good numbers together. And, and, and he did that, um, faltered badly on Saturday, but it's part of the process. Um, you know, he's got to get, he's getting his mental game back. The physical game is going to follow. Um, that's coming along pretty good. It's just like, I think you asked me a little uh, while ago before the show is, has, is he going to miss his opportunity? Because, you know, guys play, you know, they get streaky and everything. And, and yes. at some point the game's going to fall off a little bit and he's going to be ready for a, a break and then to start up in, in uh, you know, with next season. So I, I don't mind him at 25 to one. Um, and even in a top 10, I'll have to watch him carefully and I'll probably end up betting him as uh, one of my best bets there to win. Yeah. So often you see uh, a guy play well for a month and either just the fatigue of being in contention, the mental fatigue, it catches up with you. And then there might be a, it might be a, a little bit of a, a breather where maybe they miss a cut or they have a couple off events. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Wolf, but he was obviously right there at, at Summerlin going into the final day. And he, he was there after 36, obviously with looking really, really strong and uh, one bad round shouldn't, shouldn't discount what he's done the last month. Uh, we'll see if he can continue. I, I I'm probably going to start my card, my betting card at, um, yeah, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I just I feel like maybe maybe the stars are aligning. And usually I'm a numbers guy. I go with what what the numbers tell me, the analytical data. But there's nothing that backs this pick up. It's Brooks Kepka at 2,800. Oh. Yeah, it's he's played terrible the last three events. There's he has nothing to show for it. He missed the cut this last week at Mayakoba. Uh, I. So maybe maybe I'm a, believing a little bit too much for this this uh, you know course advisor uh, to Tom Doak and the course in theory sets up good for Brooks. Uh, obviously he's a bomber. He's getting healthy. He talked about last week how he just loved to be on the range and he loved to beat balls, which is totally different than what he said two years ago. <laughs> Shocker, you know, he's he's contradicting himself. I've never heard that before. No. Um, but my other thought, and I said this to you earlier, is I, I, I wonder if he's really going to be motivated to play well this week with the, the match with Bryson only two and a half weeks away. And, um, you know, and who knows if he really gives a shit about that or not. But at a non-major, this is obviously risky, but I, I think I am going to auto bet Brooks and just and just ride it and see what happens. And mm. it could be a disaster, but that's where I'm. That's where I'm starting. I think because I don't. I don't know if I love, like you know, I don't mind Sunjay. I actually don't mind Taylor Gooch. Is Taylor Gooch going to be there again? Um, I could see the argument for Wolf Finau. I like his number, but he's been kind of off since the Ryder Cup. So I don't really trust any anyone else at the top, and Burns is a little bit too low for me to bet. Taylor Gooch is the fifth, the fifth favorite here. 
22 to 1. Taylor Gooch. Shocking. Just shocking. It's just wild. So, 30 to 1, and we'll go to 50. Uh, Neiman, Joaquin Neiman at plus 3,000. Aaron Wise at plus 3,000. Ortiz, who's the defending champ and the runner up from last week, plus 3,500. There's our guy, Pat Reed. Constantly disrespected again at plus four thousand, Lowry and Leishman four thousand, Bazadenhu, Mav McNeely, Seamus Power, Russell Henley at forty five hundreds. Uh, so there, we, there again is is the Reed situation, but he didn't show us a lot last week. Um, I don't know if this feels like a Reed track, you know, necessarily, but this could just be. A, a system bet and autoplay because of the number. Yeah, 40 to 1 is, is a pretty good number. And these green, the greens are really good. They're, like I said, they're big, they're tough to read. He he does excel at that stuff, um, and they roll good. It, it, it's his third week in a row, so you worry a little bit about fatigue, but you don't have to bet a lot of money on him to, uh, to, to win a lot of money. So. Right. You know, if you feel comfortable with a top ten bet, or if you want to go with a a, um, a fractional bet on a on a win at forty to one, which is probably what I'm going to do. Like with the greens, that like I said, with the greens is good, and the rough's going to be only like two two and a half inches, so the rough's not really going to be a factor. Um, so he can miss some fairways, and you know he's got the the excellent short game. I, I'm going to figure out a way, part of my, my golf budget, to uh, to find a win bet on him just because the, the number's good enough there. So I don't mind him at all. One of the guys I did like, but now I don't know if I like him as much, is Carlos Ortiz because he won last year. Um, played great last week in Mexico. I expect him to play very, very well this week. Um, he's another guy I'm going to try to figure out what I feel comfortable with. It may not be a a top five bet may not be a win bet, but I could easily see him, um, you know, riding that out, that the good play out and then finishing top 10. But I, I just, I, I, I don't, I feel less comfortable about him winning back to back than I would say Victor Hovland. And I really didn't like him pre tournament either. So he's a guy I'll keep an eye on. Cause if he, if he continues to play well, I might live bet him, um, because he's going to have those good vibes from last year. But, uh, um, those are the two guys. Another one that's, that's kind of going to be an interesting one for me is, is Mark Leishman. Um, not much of a track record here, but you know, he can, he can get away with, uh, if he's not hitting his driver very straight, he, he, uh, is a really good win player. Um, we're, we're getting into the, the Australian summer season. And even though he lives in the United States, um, a lot of times these Aussie players, when you get close to Thanksgiving, this is when their major season is. The Australian Masters, the Australian PGA, and the Australian Open are all between like Thanksgiving and New Year's um, or the week before New Year's. So they generally are used to kind of peaking their game in the uh, United States wintertime. So I think it's a sneaky, uh, uh, a sneaky good bet if you want to get him in either uh, a top 10 or maybe sprinkle a little bit on a 40 to 1 win bet. I, I was just looking at his numbers. I, I kind of forgot he was top five at Fortnite and Shriners. 
I must have blacked that out completely. Oh, I forgot about Shriners. I know he played well at the Fortnite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, didn't play great at the CJ Cup. I mean, top 40, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't even think of Leishman. I, for some reason, I thought he was basically dead for a long time, but uh, not true. He's He has surfaced uh, lately. Um, <laughs> he's got he's got to put it out there just very graphically that yeah he's yeah either good or bad. Um, I no no shock to anyone that listens regularly. I'm going Aaron Wise on this um, uh, in this range. Um, yeah, I I just I tr- I trust that it's going to happen. He's finished the top twenty five six straight tournaments going back to the playoff events. And the last three, specifically top 15s, he's gaining a significant amount off the tee. He gained almost three at Sanderson Farms, uh, a shot and a half at Shriners. His putting, notoriously really, really poor. And he's sticking with that goofy. He's sticking with that goofy putter, though, which is a good sign. Yes. I mean, that, yes. that's a really good yes. sign. He he did pick up shots putting at the Shriners and CJ Cup. No data from last week um, because why would we have shot tracker at a PGA Tour event in Mayakoba? That's too hard to ask. Um, uh, no, so I, I I think his game all around has just been complete. Um, in fact, positives in every area at Shriners and CJ Cup, and um, I just think his recent form's good. The setup of the golf course is good for him as well. He's he can really bomb it off the tee. So I'm going to trust the broomstick plus three thousand to win, uh, plus five fifty for a top five. I'll probably be in on both of those. As far as the rest of the guys in this range, I'm, I'm going to take a break from Russell Henley, and um, I, I still think one of the most consistent bets in golf is Mav McNeely top twenty. He did it again last week, had a great final round, and uh, you can get Mav at top 20 at plus 175. I like that. If you're interested. Uh, 5,000 and above, Mac Hughes, Cam Tringali, he really dropped from last week. Max at a plus 5,000 number is pretty interesting. Kokrak, Harold Varner, Lonzo Griffin at plus 6,000, EVR at 6,000, Poulter, and Charlie Hoffman at 6,500. Um, man, I was, I was looking at Poulter on Twitter today. He was, he showed that clip from uh, two years ago when he, uh, when he made that putt on, on the 72nd hole to force a playoff with Bo Hostler and he Bo Hostler. never, never to be seen again after that, when, when Poulter did that to him, but, uh, Poulter going up at 6,500. Um, what about Max at 5,000? I, I don't hate it. Um, he's not a, he didn't grow up on Bermuda greens. He's a Poana guy, but I mean, good player though. I mean, obviously we've talked about him quite a bit and he's already won, uh, this season here at the, uh, at the Fortnite. Um, I mean, 50 to one's, you know, he's getting into that, that, that kind of auto bet territory there. And he's had some weeks off. I kind of really like him there. Can I can I ask why he why is he below Christian Bazaden who Matt McNeely when no won? idea and it's just that makes me wonder I might actually when this finishes I might have to bet him before they realize that they got Max home at fifty to one I mean you know I I, I don't know I mean he's, I mean if you just talk about the wins he's won what three times since yeah. middle of twenty nineteen 
I mean, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's I, I, I think that's that feels like that feels like an error to me there. But uh, um, yeah, I like him a lot at that number. Um, and then because what did we get him at uh, uh, at Riviera? Wasn't he fifty five or sixty five hundred or something like that? Seven thousand. Seven thousand. So I mean, we're getting into that territory yeah. there. And I think when you know, when a guy as talented as Max, who's you know, he's an now proven PGA Tour winner, he gets to those certain numbers like Pat Reed or you know, like some of these guys, they get to where you got to figure them into your you know your betting budget for the week there. So I I like that fifty to one on Max. Um, and Ian, you know, if you don't like him as a win, I think he could definitely. You'll be looking at a top 10, top 20. Um, Cam Tringali, finally they've got him priced correctly. Um, I, I don't think, mind yeah. him at 50 to 1. Not that he's going to win. I'm not going to bet him to win because he's just – he's not. He's simply not going to the win. But um, I think he's finally – because he usually sits there at like 25 or 30. And it's like, um, you know, that doesn't really make any sense. Um, the one guy in this group, though, that uh, that I do like is Mac Hughes. Um, Mackenzie Hughes played – Good last year here, um, you know, good ball striker. Um, Zozo Championship was one of his last events. And I think he finished top five at that event there. So, I you know, plus 800 as a top five, plus 350 as a top 10. I'll betting be betting him in some capacity. I don't love him to win this week. If I'm picking somebody out of this group to win, it's going to be Max. But I don't mind, you know, Mac Hughes playing well and, you know, looking at a top 10 or top 20. I was going to talk about Max real quick and just to add on what you said. He, he's, his, his record this year is really, it's really crazy because he hadn't had a top five since, or I'm sorry, a top 10 since um, May when he won at Fortnite. He's almost one of these guys that's win or bust. I mean, he's had a lot of rough finishes uh, in in between the the, the May finish and the win in September. Um, So I almost feel like win betting him is the best way to go because he pops and wins or he doesn't play that well. That is Um, true. um, I. I got to look at Kokrak. I got to see. I know he ha- he hasn't done a lot after his second victory of of last season when he won at Colonial when he beat Spieth head to head. It just feels like he would profile really well for this course. Good though. putter, yeah, yeah, good long off the tee. Um, yeah, he he missed. A, he's only played twice in the fall though. He missed a cut at Shriners and didn't play well at the CJ Cup. But he, you know, he finished. 10th at the tour championship before that I, I i i think that's a pretty interesting number for a guy that won twice last year you price them the same number as harold varner the third again some of the some of the numbers is they're just hard to understand this week it seems like you got you got yeah. guys that are proven that have won recently versus guys that have never won and they're the same it's um you know if you're talking about finishing position that's a, it's a different argument but to win the tournament then we're talking a uh, completely different argument. Um, 75 to 1 and above, Johnny. Anyone that you like? I know who you're going to go first round leader. There's two guys it's Sebastian Munoz and Scott Stallings. So it, those are those are generally my, you know, my, 
like almost auto bets. Auto. Yeah. I, I'm done with Stallings though. I'm I'm, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm off the Stallings bandwagon. He's 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 done. Um, do I got to talk about Mito because he's yeah uh, at eighty to one. Yeah. I don't I don't like how he's been playing. I think he's just kind of he's in that that like we talked about that that little lull of you know not playing that great because you know he grinded through the uh the you know the the uh corn fairy finals and all that stuff and i think he's it's just kind of one of those things where where the game's not quite there although he's got at 80 to 1 though i mean i think he's gonna win at some point during this season whether it's you know this fall or or most likely you know spring or summer or something like that i think he's got a very good chance at uh, at winning i i always come back to Johnny Vegas, because I like how well he hits the ball. I just I don't his his putting his good putting weeks, which he has from time to time. His good putting weeks come so random though that he's really hard to to gauge. He doesn't really play into um, having a good week. You know, you just it's just kind of Johnny Vegas just kind of plods along and then makes everything for for an entire week and, and you know plays well, but. You know, I, he actually went to school in Texas. Yeah, he went to school in Texas. He it's almost one of those things that we've I've, I've seen his name enough. He's he's down there in the in the odds at eighty to one. He's got to pop off here soon and and have a good event because he's like what a lot of these guys do is they just kind of hang around for a little while and then they're just like boom right there. But his ball striking is in this group is is some of the better. Ball striking, it's just the uh, putter can get inconsistent. But when he gets it hot and has a good week, it normally sticks around, and that's how he's been able to win. Um, one or has he won two events? He's won at least one. But uh, you know that's how he's won in the past is is this that that random streaky week. So I have a good feeling about Johnny Vegas this week. Hmm. Um, you know, and even even if you're not comfortable with him winning, I mean, you could get some good value in a in a top finish. This is the this is the range that I, I like to look at the top ten, top twenty, uh, top ten for Vegas plus five hundred. Uh, you know, on the surface, I I feel like this is a good course for someone like Gary Woodland. He's just been bad though, terrible for a, a while. Yeah, I I don't know what I know. He had some injuries, then he he lost a bunch of weight, and now he, I I, I don't, he just seems like he's searching for his game. Um, Cam Davis, I, I like him as a young player. He's he's lost a little bit of the mojo that he had in the, in the middle of the summer when he won in Detroit. Um, he's a, a hundred to one. Jason Day, former number mm. one player in the world, is at a hundred to one to win. What has he been up to? Do we know? Has he done anything? I, I gotta admit, I didn't. I didn't look at this. Um, I'm trying to pull it up now, but. I don't think I mean he for a couple of years was the best putter in the world. Um, I know his putting really really was a struggle last year. Yeah, looking at the numbers, he he hasn't he hasn't played well. He he finished top ten at Travelers in June. That's his last top ten. So I don't think Day can be an option. I don't I don't love the you know normally I love this this the bottom down here, but it's it's tough to find some guys this week. Ryan Palmer. 130 to one, but we're, we're, what state are we playing in? Texas. Playing in Texas. It's like, 
everything is synergizing together for Ryan Palmer this week. No, I'm not. I'm not on Ryan Palmer. Um, uh, you know, Luke List, 150 to one bomber, but he, he he's not going to be able to put these greens whatsoever this week. Um, Martin Laird played la- well last week. He's at 150 to one. Now now's the point where I'm just I'm just throwing shit out there. Keith Mitchell though, Keith Mitchell should play well this week. I might talk my yeah. I might talk I might talk myself into Keith Mitchell. He he had that amazing run at the CJ Cup. Finished d- pretty well, I think top five still, and he is an absolute bomber off the tee, and he puts Bermuda greens crazy good. Um, you never know what you're going to get with his irons, but uh, yeah, I might I might be on Mitchell as a as a long shot and maybe a first round leader plus 1200 at a top 10. Uh, that's probably as deep as I'll go this week. I would assume you. I do like Mitchell and it just, it, it just kills me that he's 150 to one to win because of how good that he is. So oh, I know. I yeah, know. I, you've got to, I think you could find a way to, to, to bet him top 30, top 40, you know, some of these, uh, these apps have. So I, I have a hard time that I'm going to stay away from him. Um, you're right though. This is a little, this is a little, little thin here with, uh, you know, with, with, with names. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't get a good feeling about much of any of these guys. You know, you look at Frank Molinari, Francesco Molinari, 180 to one. Um, he actually looked like he, I, I, he rose from the dead briefly, um, he got to like four or five under in, in Mexico and then bogeyed like four or five of his last seven holes to, you know, yeah. probably missed the cut or something like that. But yeah. I think he's done. I'm having, I think he's done. Huh? I think he's done. You're calling him done. I think he's done. Yes. I think he had his run and he's never coming back. I think he's done. When his open championship and he's just going to ride off in the and, sunset. Is... And then Tiger took his soul at the 2019 masters that, and it's been over. That is true. That that nine iron he hit in the water there. Mm. That probably was it. That was it. Yep. Yep. Um, Looking down the list here. I don't. Uh, I mean, I like. There's always I, a weird guy who I see on this list, and I always, I hate that he plays in these events, is Tyler McCumber. <laughs> this guy. Like, I know. He, he just shows he, up. He's he terrible. And then he'll finish like 30th yeah. or something like that. Well, you know, it's it just was, like it, it was um Genesis. He was in the final group uh out with Max won. I mean, he was like right there. Maybe it was Saturday, he's in the final group, but he was yeah. right there in a huge tournament. Yeah, four hundred to one. But yeah, he does this like once every six months where he's just like, Oh, Tyler McCumber's on the leaderboard. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he'll make a cut, and he's not very good. I mean, he's, no, he's not. he's not. He's not, and it's just like, it's just one of those times. One of those times, I'm accidentally going to bet him. Like, I'm going to click on the button, you know, on the on the app and bet him in some capacity, you know. And it's just like, oh, he's going to win me money. I still have never bet him. I've never bet Tyler McCumber before <laughs> in my life, proudly. But. That's you never cool. know. Could be. Could be the first. I. I. It's the people listening. Like we're talking about. This, don't. Don't. Don't fucking bet. Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> they just. Want, they want that bomb. You know that. They want the bomb. There's a bomb right there. Four hundred to one. 
Well, at, at, that, at that at that number, you're talking the top forty from the cumbers at plus four hundred. I mean, it's almost kind of worth it. Maybe if you think the guys can make the cut, they're not yes. bad bets because you they just you know they have a good Saturday and or a good Sunday. Like you know they're just out there playing you know third group off or something like that and shoot. 63 and then you know finish 38th place or something like that and then you know you, you somehow sneak yeah. in there in, in the money so that's that's how i actually i actually do bet guys down the board like that like top 40 i just look at them and say can they make the cut you know absolutely so a lot of these guys like jimmy walker and Chesson hadley and kramer hickok and you know these guys aren't gonna make the cut but so so my the closest guy I have to one of those guys, you won't be surprised because I I've talked about him on here. I've bet him in the past. Trey Molinax. Because I think he's Molinax. got game. I really do. He finished yeah. top five at Sanderson a couple weeks ago. He can mash it off the tee. Like he's got real talent. And top forty for Trey Molinax is at plus two seventy five. I. I I'll, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it because I just—it's just, just kind of goofy. I mean, you're telling me he—he's at three hundred to one versus a guy like I don't know Tom Hoagie at one hundred fifty to one. Does Tom Hoagie have twice as good a shot at winning as Trey Melanax? No, I don't think no, so. No, absolutely not. So I—I I some I just look for the guys that I feel like are slightly mispriced even a little bit Molinax might not have the results but he he played really well uh the kft no, but finals you're right, though. The, the the game i mean you just gotta look at yeah you know and that, and that's why that's why you know i'm sure people tune into the listening to, to us because you know we can we'll generally follow golf more as in a you know in a degenerate way here where we see these guys play and we kind of know and, and you know you read twitter and you hear about how these good players are and yeah he is one of them that's that's pretty good value there. I mean, you're not you're not usually going to hit that bet, but when you do, you know, it's 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 going to be pretty nice. For sure. And it, it it probably won't happen, but this is where this is where we get goofy at the end and just start spouting off stupid fucking names. So, let's call it uh Johnny. All right. 88th episode down. Uh thanks for talking about Vic Hovland and previewing the Houston Open and of course going deep into the PGL and LIV golf tours. Good 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 to be on again. Looking forward to a, a successful year too. Your best bet on Instagram, Facebook. Uh we will be back next week previewing the RSM. And that will be our last full field preview of 2021. Uh thanks again for listening. Let's get a winner this week, and we will catch you next time. Go, go, go.